Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Okay, holsters are on our hips and bullets are in the clip. See, I just made that up, just freestyle that, see that, see that? Hey. It's Shots Fired, back in the building, we've got Chisanga. What's good, people? How are you all doing? And Kairos. They couldn't kill me, I'm back, baby. <laughs> That's what I love about you, you're like the Terminator, you're like, look, I'm here with your copyright goods. I'm gonna just be flooding you all in your timeline with their copyright goods, but I don't care. And finally, last but by no means least, we've got the most hated woman on Twitter. It's that Jill. would be me. Hi, I love my title, by the way. And I'm in jail, so it's, su- it's suitable. I love it. You're in jail. Hold on, hold on, pause. You know, when you said that earlier, now, I guess this is uh, fourth wall stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, where? You don't know what I'm talking about? Well, I'm undefeated like Sean O'Malley's. Even though I'm in jail, don't worry. I'm straight. Zero losses. I'm still here. I'm talking on the podcast. In 11 hours, I'm going to run my mouth again. It's all good. <laughs> oh, See y'all in 11 hours. Guns blazing. Wow. Well, if you need us to break you out sooner, you just, uh, you holler. Maybe not on the timeline because you won't be able to do that. But you no. holler anyway. No problem. Don't worry, I will. Speaking of hollering, uh, you know how I like my segues. It was a lot of hollering over the weekend. Now, we have a new African champion in that uh, Kamaru, Kamaru Usman, I was about to say, <laughs> Francis Ngannou. Scratch that. Francis Ngannou is now the heavyweight champion of the world. Now, seeing that, uh, there was a lot of talk around Francis Ngani and his win, a lot of accolades, and as well as that, a lot of uh, armchair matchmakers suggesting that the next matchup will be John Jones. Obviously, he was in on this discussion. He saw what's actually transpiring on social media. So took to social media to say, he ain't a shook one, he is a crook son. So ultimately, what he's basically saying, he's happy to engage with Francis Ngannou but he wants to be paid for his services. And when I say paid, I don't just mean turning up and picking up a paycheck. I mean, paid and paid in full. Basically, he knows his worth. So you would have seen that there was a series of tweets in which, you know, he demanded to be paid his worth. And uh, much, I would have thought, to the angst and ire of Dana White, who would have seen John's recent tweets. We've all seen them. They're not the most complimentary when it comes to Dana White. And I think for good cause, I'm going to play you this piece of audio. When we talk about the crux of this argument, when we look at how this conversation is leaning, it all boils down to money. Now, I'm going to play you this piece of audio and you're going to tell me whether John has a point. So imagine me saying, oh, I got to pay Conor McGregor this much money. I could have built a house in Beverly Hills. Shut the fuck up, you fucking scumbag. Pay your fucking fighter what you owe him. That's your job. Bob Arum is a piece of fucking shit. Good night. Those were the fine words that Dana White had at a press conference just gone. Well, recent press conference. And as you can hear, you know, his demand, his want, his need was for Bob Arum to play his role as a promoter and pay his fighter accordingly. So... That being the case, you've heard this audio. So you can imagine how John Jones feels when you put that in the mix. You can imagine how John Jones feels when year on year, especially for the last three years, one of those being a pandemic year, the UFC, aka Dana White, 
has professed to have had another good year. So why is it not a good year for John Jones? And my question to you is this, and maybe I'm uh, again in need of being reined in, but is it time that the UFC were no longer in the John Jones business? Is it time that they let him free? Because what this kind of smacks off, where this is coming from, why I'm asking this question is, if Dana on the one hand is saying, I'm quite happy to splash a hundred million, or sorry, one million on a bet. I'm quite happy to trash another promoter and demand that he actually pays his fighters. But I'm also quite happy and open to tell people about how well the company is doing. Is it not right? It, it looks as though that uh, John Jones demands for fairer pay, better pay, uh, to be paid what he's worth hasn't been met. So is it time for them to just to cut him loose? I'm going with Kairos, first of all. No, what the? <laughs> well, okay, okay. No, why, why on earth would we cut one of the? No, 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 no. John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time. And we're going to sit here and not try and give him remotely close payout to what we give Connor, the guy who hardly ever fights. I get it, guys. Connor has, he brings bums to the seats, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Guys, if they, this commonality between people saying, well, John isn't a draw. And a lot of these fighters who are demanding more pay aren't draws. If we're basing people's drawability off a comparison with Conor McGregor, no one's a draw then, therefore no one should get paid. That makes no sense and that argument's invalid. John Jones consistently does pretty good numbers. And if they would actually invest in him, I'm pretty sure the turnout would be even larger, especially against Francis Ngannou now. Like, bro, that's going to sell you a million. That's going to sell you a million. And the pay-per-views are $80, $90 each. You're making $90 million just off a of pay-per-view alone. And you're going to tell me you can't give John Jones 10 of that, maybe 20 of that? Crazy, crazy, crazy to me. And it's so funny that you'll have people quarterback and armchair like, well, Jorge Masvidal is such a beast for fighting for what he wants, which is to be paid more. And you say it's okay for him to do and say what he wants to be paid more. And then you argue and say, well, Kobe's doing this because he wants to be paid more. Oh, well, Connor's doing this because he wants to be Oh, Dustin's fighting Connor because he wants to be paid more. Every single person who wants to advocate for their own pockets seems to get a green light until it's someone you don't like. So I'm sick and tired of people wanting to pick and choose how fighter, who and which fighters can advocate for fighter pay. Sure, some of them are very selfish and they only care about their own financial benefits and not the collective group of fighters. Sure, I'm not, I'm not going to dispute that. And I think John Jones fits into the people who only care about themselves. But he should still be able to bargain for what he's worth. Yeah, I, I hear mean, that. And I should say that this is kind of like underpinned or this question is underpinned by the sentiment of John this week. And that is, look, if you're not going to be paying me my worth, maybe you should let me go. Now I'm paraphrasing or actually, no, I'm not paraphrasing. This isn't word for word, but that was indeed the sentiment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they're never going to let him go. Like, he, people say, oh, John Jones isn't draw. But I remember, I think it was maybe last year or the year before that, I looked at a rundown of all of his uh, pay-per-views that he's headlined and majority of them are over, well over 500,000. And that's yeah. a lot. The UFC are making money off that. So I, I think the, the biggest one was the, the DC rematch, UFC 214. But this, this man has paid his dues. I, I, I know he's, um, what's the, <laughs> I was about to quote the, the late Charlie Murphy there and call him a habitual line stepper. <laughs> 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 yeah, he, had, he, had, he has habitually crossed the line before with his uh, well, transgressions outside of the octagon. We don't need to get into that. Um, he's, he's, he's paid his dues in some, somewhat with, with some of those instances, but I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to go into it. But for what he's done for, for the sport, the way how he's cleaned out and reigned over a division for a decade, it was only, I think, was it last week that was the anniversary of the, the, the Shogun fight in. Uh, in New Jersey, yeah, it was. So he's been he's reigned supreme for a decade. Can you imagine any other sport where an athlete is competing at the well, competing at the uh, and dominating the best for ten years and is, is isn't the highest paid athlete in the in the in the league? It's, I mean, it's it, it's it's criminal. It is criminal. And I mean, John's sentiment that if you don't 
if you don't pay me, then you should let me leave. Yeah, I, I know it's just posturing to try to get the UFC to uh, to to see his point of view, but it's never going to happen. It's never going to. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, where is it going to go? Is it going to go to to Bellator or or somebody? Somebody I saw somebody uh, suggested this, and I think the CEO of Triller were like, okay, we'll, we'll come and pay you money. We'll we'll pay you money to to what have you. But I mean. As Kyra said, it annoys me when I see people say, oh, yeah, it's good that Dustin Poirier is holding out for what he wants. It's good for Ma- that Masvidal is holding out for what he wants. But as soon as it comes to John, yes, he's he's fucked up and he deserves his criticism for his past uh, past fuck ups. But why should he be derided for wanting for wanting more for a bigger piece of the pie, considering how much revenue he's generated for the company down the years? So, I mean, pay the man his dues. I mean, Dana White, he he. He should just be giving John what he wants. Or, uh, uh, yeah, I understand you have to haggle or, or, or what so. But given the fact that you just lost the biggest rematch in UFC history in McGregor Khabib, that shit is gone. Like, Nganu versus Jones is the biggest fight that can be made in the sport right now. Uh, there's Nobody can tell me otherwise when, when, when it comes to that. So are you really going to – well, I, I don't want to say – uh, yeah, are you really going to let your stubbornness and entrench yourself into this stance that you don't want to pay John anymore and potentially miss out on a fight that will not only well that will not only captivate eyes a- a- across the established mixed martial arts world, but it will captivate eyes across the whole of the continent of Africa, a market which you want to get into eventually down the line, just because you don't want to pay him a few extra million dollars? I think it's stupid. Does anyone disagree with what I said? Because I just spit the truth, people. I just think Drop it's funny. that mic, <laughs> I just think it's funny because, you know, I was saying last week or so that uh, Dana White has been letting this company down. Y'all sat here, called me foolish, said I was stupid. And yet another week goes by and another week of this man fumbling the bag. You were Kairos. How dare you talk about Dana White? Like, guess what? That's it all. But Kairos. Before I was sent to jail, did you see my page? You saw me talking about how like this fight is never going to happen. I'm prepping my followers to like stop being so excited about this fight. And it's for you too, Mike. I tweet for Mike as well. And when we um, record on Sundays, I'm like, Mike, the fight's not happening. Um, Dana White is not going to pay him the money that he wants. And Mike, to answer your question, you stop it. You looking for trouble with that question. You know damn well we're not cutting John Jones, baby. Like he is not on Connor's level because I don't think anyone ever will for what he's done. You know, for being that fucking popular. But John is up there as one of the needle movers. So you can't let him go and you can't let your needle mover go to PFL and make them rich or like, you know, or get new eyes over there. So you got to keep him in the UFC. And I see nothing wrong with John wanting more money. I support him getting more money. And I really do think Dana needs to pay him or like meet in the middle, like him and Masvidal did. I'm sure Masvidal didn't get all the money he wanted, but he got a couple of hundred, you know, more money, you know, more money or a couple more millions or whatever. I don't know. But he, he was satisfied enough to fight Usman. Dana needs to work with him and John needs to work with Dana. You're not, John is not getting the 50 million or the hundred million that these boxers get. Sir, you not Canelo and you work for the UFC. That's just not going to happen, but he should ask for more money than what he's getting. And Dana should, should do it because, you know, the revenue they're going to generate is going to be so much more than what he's paying John. It doesn't make sense to me. And the only thing that I can think of is that Dana doesn't want to pay him more because then he has to pay all his champions more. You know, I think he has it in the pocket right now with all his fighters that Connor gets special money, but no one else. But once someone else gets Connor money, they're all going to want it. So he's he's not budging y'all. And I don't think the fight is going to happen. That's just that's just me. Do y'all think this fight is going to happen? I think it was. I'm 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 optimistic, but I'm just looking at John John's recent salaries, and he's just been getting the five hundred dollars to show, five hundred thousand no win bonus for the last. Now, two- do you do you think the fact that he has tested for peds ruined title fights and and caused the you think uh, that could be yeah. why? Perhaps yeah, perhaps yeah. But I I, 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 get, I get that to a certain extent, but I mean. Like he's unreliable sometimes and, uh, you yeah, know, you never course. know what he's going to get into. Yeah, of, of course. But then again, I, I mean, if 
what what John was saying. And do you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna digress. Like what really, really, really annoyed me was when John reiterated his desire. And let's let's be frank, he reiterated his desire. He's had this stance for close to a year now that he wanted to be paid. Even before he announced his move up to heavyweight, he was like, I want to be uh, I, I want to be uh, suitably compensated for for what I've uh, for what I do and what I've been given what I've given to the company. And now people are saying, "Oh, he's scared to fight Francis." I was about to say, I was about to drop the end bomb there, but this is <laughs> <laughs> this is not the this narrative. It it first of all it amused me, but now I'm still constantly seeing it on my on my timeline, and I it's annoying, to, right? I just need to realize that there's probably like 13 or 14 year old kids saying that. Oh yeah, John's scared. Yeah, to- that's what I tossed it up to. Yeah, yeah but, that, but guys. Yeah. I have a question for you guys about this topic. Mike, I'm sorry to steal your thunder, but a question came to mind. Well, the mic Why? is after you've stolen my thunder, so you <laughs> might as well keep the mic. Yeah, I'm going to do that, Mike. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> real quick question. Um, why would John Jones um, leave, like, what's it called? Leave the belt. What is it called when you, when you relinquish? Right, when you vacate or relinquish your belt before... Um, settling with Dana about like negotiating going to heavyweight. That's a huge mistake. Why would you start to put on weight now, leave, relinquish your belt, vacate, and you and Dana have not decided how much you're going to get paid for this, this heavyweight debut, and it's not in contract yet? What was he thinking, y'all? Maybe he was putting a lot of store by Dana's goodwill in saying, you will obviously be compensated more than you would be as a light heavyweight. And that more and that compensation was never negotiated, but it was suggested. So in my head, I'm hearing more pay. In John's head, he's hearing more pay. But the more pay that Dana has in mind definitely didn't match yeah. what John It's like five bucks more. That's yeah. what he I wants, think happened. Yeah. yeah, me too. Because just, I'm just baffled as to why he would make such a... Uh, courageous and 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 um you know move like that Mm. without having things in place contractually and now unprofessionally john is online trying to get us to to get behind him on getting paid more which is okay but i just feel like it's okay if the fans complain about how he's going about it though he's only really looking out for himself if the fans that really want the other fighters to get paid and unionized it's not really what he's doing he's doing a masvidal he's really just making sure he gets paid more money and then on top of it he might overprice himself he might not be satisfied with the whatever you know dana wants to give him more for the super fight and there's a huge possibility that he asked something horrendous you know 50 million 100 million there's a chance because he said he wants to be paid like dante wilder he thinks his worth is that of a boxing superstar. So he's going to overprice himself, I think. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I think the most John could hope to get for is maybe like 10 million, probably. I think that's probably the most he could hope to, to get. And that's probably- Is that not good? Oh, that's, that not- oh, that's, that's, that's not good enough. I never made that's not good. But, no, real, real talk for what John no. does. And what, oh, yeah, okay. I know. Oh, of course. Never. Not close. Okay. So that's why he might overprice himself because even that is absurd, right? 10 million? Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. See, y'all, I, call me pessimistic. I, don't, I think we're about to get Derek Lewis versus Francis. <laughs> I'm not going to call you pessimistic. I'm going to call you the Mike Holder. You're up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm up. Shit. I'm out of it. (laughs) I shut my mouth so somebody else could talk and then I forgot it was my turn. Okay. So um, I want to talk about the Bellator rankings. And before I do that, I just want to say MVP has been on our show and he's very friendly with Mike and the Wocast and he is a friend of the show. But I do want him to know that I'm only speaking from a perspective of a fan that does think he's been fighting cans, but I'm going to be as polite as possible. And I don't want him to hate me or the show. So that's my disclaimer. You just called called him a can crusher. No, I did it. Mike, cut it out. (laughs) You're trying to be nice. (laughs) Shit. Um, (laughs) No. So here we go. I was on Twitter and someone named Adam Martin that you can find it. MMA Adam Martin tweeted. Adam, I met Adam when I went to Brazil. Really, really nice guy. And he's going to be a father. So, Congratulations on uh, oh. the birthday, Adam. 
Good. Congratulations, Adam. And I follow him. We follow each other and he's a great follow and he's a nice guy. Here's what he said about MVP. Michael Page is the number one contender in the Bellator welterweight rankings. Despite having zero wins over anyone else ranked in the top 10, he has 14 wins in Bellator, not a single top 10 win based on the promotion's own rankings. Adam Martin then said, that is the definition of overrated. <laughs> With that being said, how do you feel about what Adam said? Is that the definition of overrated? And do you deny the fact that MVP only fights cans? And if you, if you deny that, I need you to prove to me that he has it. Like, I want you to sit here and go to trial for MVP if you don't think he fights cans. And I'm going to start with Michael Morgan. Ah, oh, damn you. Yeah, <laughs> babe. Okay. That's what you get for trying to get me in trouble with MVP. <laughs> MVP is not a can crusher. He does not fight cans because he fought Semtex daily. Look, on the real, I love... Michael Venom Page as much as the next man. And as you say, look, he's been on the show before, but facts are when you look at that breakdown of the, the top 10, um, there are, I would say zero that he's fought within that top 10. Plus from that top 10, um, notable names are missing. Lorenz Larkin, Koreshnikov, or Koreshkov, sorry, and, and Semtex. Those killers are missing from that. So it made me kind of like, give the, well, the rankings a little bit of a side eye. But look, I think that we know why um, the promotion's golden boy has been exalted to the position that he has been given. One, it's kind of like obvious, especially of recent months where Michael Vernon Page has tweeted his displeasure with the promotion on things like Instagram posts. Uh, I think the words... Uh, that's why nobody takes you seriously as a promotion was one thing that he actually tweeted to Bellator. So mm -hmm. they are, I would say, this is what it looks like, trying to either get in his good graces or to make him feel as though he's loved. But I would say as well, I do think that they're trying to line him up for a title shot and which way do we see this actually happening by way of ranking. So just to, you know, cut to the chase, um, yes, he has had less than stellar opponents apart from Paul Daly, who he, you know, and Douglas Lima and Douglas Lima. Who uh, he, I, okay. Sorry. Beat. sorry. There's two others I was going to say, but I'll let you chime in. Who he did beat, but, but also, um, I do feel as though they, they are treating their golden boy like the golden boy. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Kairos, what do you think? I'm saving Chisango for last. I mean, overrated. I'll just start with the first. Can Crusher? Kinda. And here's why. And here's why. Because there are certain people that he did fight, though, that had, like, that had no business fighting him. We'll just keep it a buck. And I think if you're given cans and you, and you decimate them, then by definition, you are a can crusher. But also, we're not going to try and completely like negate who he's fought after those people so as far as him being overrated i'm gonna say no because most people don't understand just how good michael venom page is that's the next thing so by definition can crusher yes because he was given cans on certain points and then he did crush the fuck out of them so yes but that's not all that he fights are cans though we're not going to sit here and act like they aren't giving sean o'malley people that he should not be fighting but no one wants to call him a can crusher we're not going to sit here and, and i'm not even going to go down this list We'll just keep it in Bellator. Also, the whole thing with the rankings of Bellator is a little bit strange right now, too, because you got a person like Loretta. She got two fights in Bellator right now, and she's actually ranked right now. I think she's ranked like 10. Pretty sure. She, I, 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 I know for a fact she's ranked, though. And I'm just saying, so if Michael Venom Page gets ranked and, you, and people want to cry about that and the guy has double-digit fights in the organization and overall, but she has single-digit fights and no one's saying shit, it's just like, all right, let's just stop trying to... This, I just feel like this is just trying to discredit Bellator as an organization. And I feel like I'm not with it. I'm not with the I'm not with people discrediting Bellator at this stage because they've they've earned a little bit more respect at this point, yeah. especially Michael Venom Page, too. Um hold on, just just I'm gonna save you for last because I feel like you're about to drop the bomb. So let oh. me answer my own let me answer my own question right. and then I'm gonna pass you. are gonna close this one out. Um I'm with Kairos on this. You stole my um my thunder. 
I think he's, uh, do I think he's overrated? Absolutely fucking not. I think he's great. I think he's super talented. And I think he is a force to be reckoned with. Do I think they keep giving him cans? Yes, because he's fought more cans than um, ranked opponents or opponents that will compete, you know, that will give him problems and be competitive with him. And I think Bellator is kind of overdoing it with giving him cans. Like you can't make it so that kind of obvious i don't know it just seems like he's always fighting someone we've never heard from from italy portugal like these people that come out of nowhere and i understand they need late replacements but it's just like do everything in moderation we had we saw him with lima we saw him with paul maybe give him a can and then put him back in the rankings like i just don't like how they did kind of give him a lot of rankings and i think him being ranked and valerie being ranked is what we were talking about is that because this is so new the rankings are just I don't want to use the word corrupt because it's harsh, but Kyros is right. Like, how is how is even MVP ranked, even though he's great and stuff? But with the fighting of the cans, how is he ranked? And then Lareda wins two fights and she's ranked. I can't, I think it just goes to show you that we're in the very early stages of this and it needs a lot of work. And no, he's not overrated and he's super fucking talented. But go ahead, Chisanga. Yeah, like I mean, the notion that MVP is overrated is something else. I mean. Mike, you've seen uh, Michael fight in person, and he's a sight to behold. He really is a sight to behold. Right? I mean, remember what you did to uh, to Dave Rickles at Bellator 200? And Dave Rickles is no slouch. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he has the most fights in Bellator history, Dave, Dave Rickles. So he's a he's an established veteran. And he made him quit. Remember, do, do, do you remember you made, you made him quit? Yeah. But I think, yeah... For, for Michael, I think he's he's a victim of his own success because, like as Kyra said, that Bellator will give him will give him. A, I don't want to say can because I don't want to be disrespectful. Disrespect the opponents, yeah. yes. They'll, they'll give him a fight that he should win, and he wins in devastating fashion. Like I mean, remember the Italian guy that they got in for short notice, Mike? Yeah, <laughs> he obliterated him. That was yeah, but, he buried but it. It was a look as 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 um Tanga said, it was a short notice fight though. So yeah, I do know. understand that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but again, uh, with respect to Richard Kiley as well, I don't think he had any business being in there with MVP. Uh, he did. We that that was on uh, that I can't remember what what channel that was. I was on Channel Five. I remember watching it and like I told my girlfriend, I was like, this isn't gonna last long. I just feel like there's more fights like that than him actually being challenged. And that's when I'm getting a little bit frustrated. And I quite understand the fans that that speak ill of him when they say he's overrated. I don't agree, but I kind of understand the fans that are like, this guy's amazing. Can we see someone test him? You know, I I think they're getting a little tired of that. Can I I say, though, we, we say that. And I think it is really disrespectful for people to, you know, give us this narrative that he's overrated when a this is somebody who took on Ross Houston coming into promotion um, from cage warriors where he was seen as the hot prospect. He was seen as the absolute killer. He was seen as the MVP nullifier. Now he made work of him when he took on Paul Daly, exactly the same thing. Paul was seen as this KO King made the guy wrestle. As well as that, Douglas Lima, let's not forget. He he rocked him in the first round. He took, um, well, he almost took Douglas Lima's chin in the first round. Now, if there wasn't that slip up, and I do believe it was a slip up in the second, man, we'd be looking at a completely different narrative now. We wouldn't be talking about him as being overrated. So let's have a little bit more respect when we're talking about someone of Michael Venom Pages. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I, 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 I was going to say he's a, he's a world-class fighter, but then people would be like, oh, well, he's not fighting in the UFC and he's not fighting. Yeah. He is That's a, why I hate talking about him on my he's timeline. He's an elite fighter. I mean, thank you. Skill set is, it's clear and evident to see. And with and, the, with the Douglas Lima thing, everybody will point to him and be like, well, the one elite, elite guy he fought, he got starched. That, I think it was more of a mistake I think he kind of got up a bit too early. He was too quick to get up. Because he rocked the guy too. He was excited. Yeah, he went up like that. And then that was prime. Yeah. 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 I mean. And I thought it was a competitive fight. I don't care that he lost. It doesn't really make. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, he's overrated. Because once he fought someone that was top five, he got to start. No, I just think he had a competitive fight and he wasn't the winner. 
You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I think because he consistently does kind of fight people that he blows out of the water and does in such electrical, you know, fashion, people are, are, you know, people talk. These MMA fans are nothing but cucks, but you know what I mean? So I wish him the best. And I, I do think he's immensely talented. Mike and I always talk about this on Sunday. When you are given an easy fight, a mismatch and a fastball down the middle, you're supposed to light their ass up like Sean O'Malley did to Thomas Omeda. You know what I'm saying? Like, and Michael Venom Page does that and he puts on a great show. So folks do need to realize that he's putting on a show for us and to appreciate the fireworks. Of course. But That's this, how I see it. He has, he has to keep on this year in terms of who he's fighting. I mean, he's, what, is he 33 now? I mean, he's by, by no means past his prime or, or what have you, because I believe prime in MMA is probably from 30 until like maybe 35, depending on how you take care of yourself and wear and tear. But I think he, he does have to k- kick on this year and it'd be interesting to see who he fights. Mike, when you interviewed him, does he have an interest in not fighting late replacements or like, does he want a title? Like, what are his aspirations? Definitely title focus, but being the best and showcasing, he's a showman. He's yeah. there really to entertain the fans. That's his key thing, entertainment. So that makes sense. That, that's what his matchups, if you think about it, afford him. The, the majority of his matchups have allowed him to entertain. And that mm-hmm. speaks to his narrative. That's why I asked that question. I have a feeling being flashy and entertaining is a part of his stick. Yes. And he, yeah. he works with a company that's like, no problem. This is what you like to do. Here you go. But I just think it's cultivating an atmosphere for fans and folks. Fans, I'm sure MVP don't give no fucks about because he's getting paid and he's enjoying himself. But <laughs> the grumbling on the street is the topic of, you know, my segment. But like on, on record, if you think he's overrated, you're nuts. That guy is immensely talented. And, and Michael will be the first to admit that, you know, it doesn't matter who he faces. It doesn't matter who he has in front of him. People will always call him a can crusher. It will it's never true. be good enough. Yeah. His last yeah. opponent will never be good enough. And they will always suggest, and how about him? And how about him? And how about him? Until he gets mm-hmm. beat. Yep. And I agree with that as well. It's kind of like, it's kind of a similar situation I, well, I don't know how much you follow uh, follow boxing with uh, with Canelo. People, well, of Canelo's an elite fighter. He's, he's for some of the best in the world. He's about knocked the hell out of Amir Khan. I said I should. I'm saying that as disrespectfully for Amir Khan, but he's a multi, he's a four weight world champion. But as of late, Canelo's mandatories haven't been the best of the best. But he these are people who he's been uh, ordered to fight. And there people are saying, oh, he's becoming a can crusher during this time or what have you. That's not the case. Like at times you can only beat who has been put in front of you. You might not have any input as to who, you, who you're going to fight. And I think that's a lot of the time that that's been the case a lot of the time with, with Michael, especially with late replacements. So, And also two fans are dumb. Like, you know, <laughs> they, they, they see somebody. Yeah. And they don't realize this person came from Combate or from another organization and they are Bellator and UFC ready. And they've, they've, they were big shots where they came from or they're very good fighters. And then the average fan is like, I don't know this person. He doesn't fight in the UFC. I've never heard of him before. MVP's fighting a can. You know what I mean? So a part yeah. of it too is like the dumb fans that don't n- recognize a name and throw MVP right under the bus for not recognizing the name or doing their due diligence to research that fighter. Because I'm telling you, every time there's a contender series fight and me and Mike hit the laptops and talk about it the next day, some of those people are legit if you really dig into their past. Yeah, so I, you know what I mean? So there's, there's another issue, the ignorance of the fan base as well. Who's up but that's, yep. Kairos, you're coming in hot. What have you got? We, we got to talk about the screw-ups. And more importantly, the biggest screw up I think in MMA history was allowing Reebok to step in that door. And I don't want to hear this stuff about it helped legitimize the sport. It helped these, it ain't helped the fighters do nothing. They robbed these fighters of buying. Here's, here's my, let me read something to you. I got a few articles I wanted to open up because why y'all are talking. The Reebok deal was supposed to give the fighters $70 million. How much of that money do you think the Re- that Reebok gave fighters during the, how long was this deal? Five years? Four yeah, years? I think. Okay, longer than that. So it's even worse. All right, uh, I'm gonna go with thirty nine million dollars, four hundred eighty thousand. Or okay, all right. Well, you read the article. <laughs> well. I've seen all right, the story. well, you. I've seen the story. 
He read the article, so that wasn't fair. But that's my point. These people barely got over half. They got barely over half. How are you going to sit here and talk this big game about improving the lifestyle and legitimizing the sport when you actively are delegitimizing it? Let me read you the pay scale for how they were compensating these athletes. Now, I've read multiple articles on this. I remember reading the article when it first hit a few years back. I found this article. So the numbers are a little bit iffy, depending on which article you read. There's like a $500 discrepancy between each tier. I do remember that. But it says one to three bouts between WEC, um, between Strike Force, between uh, it was a few other organizations. You guys know all the other organizations. If you come in the UFC with one to three bouts, no, you receive 3,500 per fight. Four to 10 bouts, 5,000 per fight. 11 to 15 bouts, 10,000 per fight. 16 to 20, 15,000 per fight. 21 bouts is 20,000. Title challengers get um, 40,000 and... I'm sorry, champions get 40,000. Title challengers get 30,000. Now, who in their right mind is entering the UFC with 21 to 40 fights. The last fighter that I remember doing that is like a guy like Glover Teixeira, a guy like, like there are very small cases where you're going to ever enter the bracket like that. Yeah. So that means you're fighting for an extra $3,500 on your paycheck. Thanks to Reebok. Okay. Now, not to bash Reebok, but I just want to go trans, like, I just want to transition into the Venom deal. Now the Venom deal is supposed to be our savior. Now a company what what legitimizing factors does, does Venom have for our sport besides combat sports? Venom is a combat sports brand through and through, yes. So they're going to make functional work gear. They're going to not misspell people's names. But how are they going to compens compensate our fighters adequately more than what Reebok could do? When Reebok is an international brand, big in multiple sports, not just MMA. It's big in basketball, football, lacrosse. It's big in all sports. Reebok is, has its hand in everything. How on earth is Venom going to compensate our athletes better than Reebok when Reebok is more international? It ain't. <laughs> it's, it's simple. I don't think it will. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they've got a combat sports company making the uh, making the stuff. But again, if you're trying to take the sport to new levels, which obviously the, the Reebok deal did to a certain extent, but I don't think it it did as much as people are saying as if it's oh yeah, if it wasn't for the Reebok deal, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be shit right now. That's not the case. I think it has helped legitimize it to a certain extent, but not crazy amounts. But I think maybe they, they opted to go with the venom against say renewing the deal or going with the other um, apparel company because now they're on ESPN. Now they're, they're, they're reaching millions and millions of households in, in, in America and, and, and indeed across, across the world. So maybe they, Feel that they don't need that uh, that push. I I don't know. Per, per, like I mean, I'm ju I'm just surmising right now. But Kairos has got a stanky face on. You want to know? You want to know the real reason why they chose Venom? Because uh, terrible companies make terrible decisions. That's the reason why they chose Venom. Some people just don't want to be great. And the people running the UFC with these sponsorship deals do not want to be great. How dare you choose Venom over other brands like Adidas, like Champs, like Nike, like, oh my goodness. You're going to tell me that Venom is better equipped to make gear in, under any sport than a primary of the big three? You're crazy. Craziness. You're going to tell me that... I have a question, Kairos. I don't know much about deals and, and this type of stuff. Did the UFC try to go to Nike and the bigger? Maybe those bigger companies don't want the UFC. We Remember, we're bottom of the back. Like, we're pretty ratchet. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, Israel Adesanya just made rape comments. Like, it was the thing to do and got dropped by BMW. Mike yeah. Perry uses the N-word to actors outside of the UFC. There's no code of conduct. Their athletes can go in a press conference and say Black Lives Matter people are terrorists. You, you might, those companies might not want that type of rah-rah. So, guys, do you think they try to um, work with Nike and the bigger brands that, that Kairos is discussing? It was Venom bottom of the barrel and... You'd assume so. Like, I mean, what company, what global entity wouldn't try go with the biggest apparel makers in the world? Like, you, you, you'd assume that they made overtures to... And I think it would have been dope. Can you imagine like the UFC if they'd gone with Adidas and then like the U and the F and the C in the stripes? You know, I that would be that would be dropped as soon as one of them exactly. said something Kyrus, horrendous. You're feeling. I like that. it. I like it too. That would have been awesome. Or Nike, UFC fighters in Nike commercials. 
Child. And you don't even need to, okay, let's just say for argument's sake, they can't get the super major organizations. Champion is a phenomenal organization that has more than enough money to compensate you. There yep. are a lot of other options. That's a good though. one. That's, That's the problem. One. Everyone thinks that it's got to be all or nothing. It's like, listen. Why I just don't think those Venom? companies need the UFC. I think the, the, I think the UFC can profit from Venom and Venom can profit from them. But I think Nike and the other big name brands are like, yeah, okay. I you know what I mean? It's down to that. They do need um, those big uh, name sponsors in terms of brands. But, and I think if you look at the relationship that John Jones had with Nike, it's quite clear that they are very, very happy to go down to the quote unquote depths of MMA. But I don't think the UFC really wanted to go down to the depths of what Nike were prepared to actually bring to the table in terms of monetary compensation. I think that's what actually scuppered those deals. There's no one that can tell me that they weren't talking to Adidas, Under Armour, they weren't talking to Nike. Because at the end of the day, they are a big brand in themselves. So they talk to big brand companies. I think what the deal with um, Venom represents is a, hold on, is, is a holding pattern. It allows them to actually use Venom as filler until the big boys actually come correct with their money. That's what it boils down to. It's cool. okay. You don't want to go to the dance. Well, we'll take this ugly woman here. And uh, when you fix up yourselves and when you, um, you know, you, you buy yourself a, a nice dress and then you put on some makeup and actually treat us right. We will treat you right. That's what I Damn. think. So they settled for the side piece. Absolutely. 100%. Damn. That's the Here's, here's what doesn't make sense, though. Okay. When you are given $40 million from Reebok, that's nothing. They, these brands are willing to invest that much for individuals, not even just the league. They will dump that into a single person. So how are you, as a major sports network, not going to be able to negotiate even remotely close to $40 million for your entire organization? What? That is a, LeBron James made $90 million over seven years from Nike alone. They gave him $90 million. <laughs> you're going to tell me that you're going to tell me that Nike can't say, all right, great. We'll give you 45. You're, okay. What you're going to tell me that Adidas can't say, all right, we'll give you 60. All right. You're going to tell me that champs can't bro. It, it is not making, do you guys know how much money Venom's paying the UFC? Cause I've been searching. I can't find a number. No idea. No details of this to come out, man. None. That's what I think is really interesting. If Venom does not get these fighters at least close to the $100 million mark, this was for nothing. This was absolutely pointless because it's either you got to be giving these fighters an insane amount of money for this deal, or you have to be with a major company for the brand, for, for branding purposes. If you aren't getting one or the other, this was a waste. And I promise you this, I promise you this, everyone's going to be talking about how positive the Venom deal is in that first year. I promise you, because that's how it always goes. It's always like, this is so great for the sport. And then that's when they start getting lazy. And then that's when we start realizing just exactly how serious they are about the sport. Just like with Reebok. Only Reebok dropped the ball from the beginning because they're trash. They just are a trash promotion. Trash organization, trash everything. Reebok is trash. So I'm telling you this. Be prepared to see a lot of people very upset in the next few years because they didn't realize just how bad this deal was. That's only if they don't reach $100 million, though. Or I, if they aren't like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Can I ask a question, Kairos? You keep uh, putting the fighters at the forefront of this negotiation and this argument. It's really the UFC because this is for their benefit, not the fighters' benefit. Don't be under any misapprehension that this is about the fighters. No, it's about the UFC having that recompense and passing on what they feel like to the fighters. That's how it works. Yep, this is true. Do you guys think that um, with Venom, they might have some type of creative control as well? Will we see some camouflage shorts? Will we see some, yeah, just that. something that's for the fighters? I like the Condom Depot when, the, when they came out looking all crazy with stickers and just <laughs> like, okay, you know, like, I like the patches. Go back to a bygone era where people were on the juice and like oh god what a time what a time man like what I, a time man. i pay money for us to, to go back to those days when it was you i don't think the, so you want to see the days of the thong really 
Who came out? Oh, I know you mean. Uh, I don't want it. Who Mike was went it? there, huh? Don't uh, nobody want to see these men in thongs, Mike. <laughs> remember um, who was who was uh, Carlos Newton? He came he came out in a thong when he fought <laughs> like uh, Tiny That's White. True. Uh, yeah. Matt Hughes, and that was in London as well. That was at the Albert Hall. Yeah. But did you? Didn't you guys like that though? When they're covered in patches? And no. no. Oh, I'm telling y'all, people get way too nostalgic about that. I promise you this: if they brought that back, people would be hating on it now. Imagine the person with like the Brock Lesnar shorts with all the Jack Deere stuff. Like that stuff is tack. Yeah. I'll give Dana that. I'll give Dana that. Oh, you didn't like GSP and his gi? GSP and his GSP stuff looked nice. John stuff looked nice. Anderson stuff looked nice. There are yes. people whose stuff looked nice, but there oh, were a lot of people whose stuff looked terrible. Like, oh my nigga. That's fun. Pause. Stop pause. Oh. I'm trying to break news. Take it away. Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori is off. Oh. MMA gods. MMA gods. MMA, MMA gods are Corona. Yeah. Wait, out. The, the details of uh, why the fight's fallen out has not been released, but uh. Marvin probably caught COVID because he thought he was immune. Facts. Damn, y'all. This is breaking news indeed. I was getting ready to talk about this on Sunday with Mike, yo, and get ready and watch fight footage of both of them. This sucks. I'm that we were going to have it on a, at a decent time as well. Man, that exactly. was beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Main event around 10 o'clock. And then I yeah. go, and the fight matters too. It's not just something they yeah, gave us. This fight motherfucking matters, baby. Like, but now they're screwed because that's meant to be like that was a shit. Like, that was the whole reason they went on ABC was that fight. A bit like a big name in Darren Till. Now what are they oh, gonna wow. do? Wow, and what's the reason? My God, you know of uh, of craziness, people. Did you see that Anderson Silver is gonna be boxing Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in June? This is news to me, I have to say. I didn't see this. Yep. Take it away. Mr. Anderson Silva, who for me, I think uh, he's, yeah, he's, uh, I, I chop and change between Anderson and GSP as, as for the greatest of all time. I mean, Anderson Silva, I say this all the time. He was a force of nature, the likes of which we will never see again in mixed martial arts. And I hand and heart believe that. But Anderson Silva is now 45 years old. He still obviously has the, the uh, desire to compete and who am I to say that 45 year old should not, should no longer be competing. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there, but he will be fighting a uh, professional boxer, former WBO middleweight champion. I believe, I think he was WBO middleweight champion, uh, WBC, sorry. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Son of obviously the great Julio Cesar Chavez. I mean, <sighs> Julio, professional boxer himself, he's well, he, he he has well, he's kind of been fighting cans for like the last few years. We were talking about cans as well, but this is a former world champion boxer who Anderson is going to be fighting, and Anderson is going to be ten years his his senior. I mean, I don't like this whatsoever. I would have preferred Anderson if he wanted to have his uh, long-awaited boxing match uh, return to the boxing ring because I know I know he did have a couple of boxing matches early in his career. I would have preferred it against someone like Roy Jones Jr. or what have you, but he, here we are. He's fighting somebody who's still relatively in their prime, and I'm concerned, deeply concerned about what effects this could have on Anderson and the fact that he could potentially end up suffering a KO. Like I know he hasn't been – well, yeah, I know he, he got stopped by Uriah Hall, and I love Uriah Hall, for, but I hate him for stopping Anderson like that. That, that was painful to watch for me. Word. Yeah, that was that was very very painful for me to to watch. But I'm concerned about Anderson fighting a 35 year old professional boxer when he hasn't boxed in. I'm trying to think when he boxed. He last boxed in 2005. He hasn't boxed in 16 years. What's everyone's thoughts on this? And I'm going to go to G on this first. My thoughts are that I would wish that Anderson Silva not fight anymore. Like he's 45 years old and I swear to God, I think he's the only fighter that I stand for. Like, I don't want to see him fight anymore. I genuinely care about this man. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? He, he has done so much for my um, MMA, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't want to see it. And it's unnecessary. But I wonder, too, like, do, do he has kids. Maybe he needs the money. He's on, like 45 in sports is uh, 
old, I guess, in MMA, yes, or in sports. But I, in real life, 45-year-olds go to work every day and still support their families. So perhaps that's, you know, something that he has to do. And it's unfortunate that it's in a, in a place where he could be hurt. And I'm really concerned. Also, boxing gloves do more damage than MMA gloves, correct? So I don't know. And I don't want to see him get knocked out. I'd, I'd rather him just kind of coach, hang out with his kids and not fight. That's, that's just me. But I will be watching if he does. I'll, I'll be watching, of course, and I'll be rooting for him. But I will. Me too. Be watching, I'll be watching like this, like hands. But like, yeah. Yeah. It's. I was watching him like that in the UFC towards the end of his career. Um, like I was from Izzy on, I was just like, even Michael Bisbing, every, I was just so nervous because he was slowing down. So I, I'm definitely not on board for this. No. What are your thoughts, man? There are, there are some fighters while I wear, not some, there are very few fighters where I'm willing to like overlook my initial like opinion on stuff. And I just, with Anderson Silva, the thing is, that man is the definition of what like an alpha in sports is. And when you tow that line of just being so dominant and just being that type of person inside and outside of competition, that doesn't turn off. That just, that stays with you in everything you do forever. And that flame will never go out. So it's like, it'd be, it'd be ridiculous for me to stand on a train track with a train coming at me and tell it to stop. It's just not going to happen. It just won't happen. And as much as like people want to talk about his age and everything is just like, all right, well, the UFC heavyweight division got niggas who are 60 competing like, like, bro. Like, so what, what about Bellator too? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going to say he needs to stop. Let, let him do his thing. He'll know when it's time to, he has kids in a family. I'm sure they'll talk to him eventually if it gets bad enough. Like, you know, Mike, mm -hmm. a few years back, I was fortunate enough to sit down with Anderson Silva in a one-to-one -one conversation. And we talked about a lot of things. And every single time that we talked about fighting, his eyes lit up. And when we talked about losses, he was pretty less affair about it. The fight is the fight, is what he said. Losses don't mean anything to him. Fighting means everything to him. So I can understand why he's actually going, guns blazing into this. I can imagine how enthusiastic, I can imagine how passionate he is you know to be stepping inside a combat arena but facts are I don't want to see it we're talking about somebody who has slowed down and slowed down considerably we're talking about somebody who is past his prime and we're talking about somebody who has sustained a lot of damage head trauma in, in particular yeah. and I just don't want to see somebody who I have in high regard and consider a legend undo that legendary status by going out in the way that I feel that this will actually kind of unravel. Yeah, I mean, it's... well said. Has yeah. Anderson really sustained a lot of head damage? He yes. has. He has of late, man. He has. Let's 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 talk about it really quick. Is I'm going to be honest with you. As far as his head is concerned, I don't think he's taken as much damage as a lot of fighters who are still in their prime and competing right now. Anderson Silva was knocked out by Chris Weidman by one shot and then maybe a follow up shot. He got knocked he's out a, by. He's a lifelong fighter, though. So when we weren't in the gym with him, he was getting knocked out. So and then he's been yeah. fighting for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, he like, was fighting before, you know, like he was trained, maybe. Who knows? We don't know how much damage he's taken, but we do know he's been fighting for a long time. And I just consider those people. You've got something going on if you've been fighting for a long time. <laughs> successful or not either some of these prelim fighters or like it doesn't matter you get knocked up in the gym whether you whether we see it on game day or not so i think yes he does and don't forget too didn't he break his leg yeah 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 of course so he's yeah. war torn if you ask me yeah i don't think he's taken that much damage i think he's taken the exact amount of damage that someone who would be around his age bracket would take. And I think he's actually taken less damage than a lot of those people just because it's like, okay, great. We're, we're under the assumption that he's just having wars throughout his, and if that were true, I think we'd see a lot more. Not, you don't think that Derek Brunson would have knocked him out if he was extremely war-torn? Because we know Derek Brunson is a problem. I know we don't yeah. think that he won the fight. You think that Michael Bisping wouldn't have been able to knock him out? You think that like, and I'll give you this. I'll give you this. But um, also, can't you be concussed with not getting knocked out? Yeah, yeah of course. You can. Yes. You yeah. Can. So just because like he's never been at the end of a really, really bad knockout does not mean he hasn't been concussed. 
that he hasn't been on stanky legs or that. Yeah, I just think when you are a fighter, you have brain injuries, especially if it's been your career. I just think that's just me. Like, I, it's not Anderson Silva. I think a prelim fighter has memory loss if he's been fighting for a long time. They've all been hit in the head. Having done the whole behind the scenes, going down to gyms, following fighters in their wars that they have in sparring and preparation, Kairos, I think it's kind of naive to think that um, he hasn't been in any, in any wars. These are live sparring situations. This is prep. This is basically um, you getting the same experience as you would within a live environment in the cage as in in a matchup that's supposed to be your prep now albeit he's looking graceful on top best believe that those wars were happening in the gym let's not forget the camp that he came out of he came out of shooter box oh right came out of they literally like there's video footage of these guys going to war and knocking each other out they're known for it yeah, and then they come back the next day and they spar the same way again, or maybe not the next day, but like they'll spar like that two or three times a week. I mean, yeah, so he has he's taken damage. He's no doubt he's inflicted his fair share of damage on people, but he's he's taken damage as well. Like, and probably it's it, it's probably not beyond the realms of possibility that he's taken more damage in training than he has in the octagon. Yes, well, that's a I mean, fact. He's that's forty something about most years fighters. old. Yeah, that's my, that yeah so that's my point. That's my point. There's a yeah, there's a lot of people. Okay, so it's fair to say he's taken a lot of damage, but mm. I'm I guess I'm looking at it like this and saying, well, he's he's worn those shots and he's operating with this, that damage on him. Yeah, yeah. That's what I need to be saying, rather than just like he hasn't taken damage. He's taken damage. He's just I operating he's still somewhat better. healthy. Yeah, yeah. In comparison healthy. to comparison to people his age and younger, they're like we want to talk about, bro. I guarantee you, Luke Rockhold's taken almost twice the amount of damage as Anderson Silva is, and he's not even in the same age bracket as him. Luke Rockhold has been at King, at uh, AKA, they train with like steel chairs and ladders. They, those boys get injured every <laughs> single day. And that man's chin is gone as a result. Oh, no. Max, Max, Max Holloway was slurring on the mic one That's time before a fight and they canceled his fight. Like Max Holloway's on that list. You know That's what I mean? Like, but Anderson has been doing it for almost twice the amount of time and he's still... He's still there. That man is still Anderson. So, like, so that's why I'm just sitting here like he's still wearing this damage and he's still handling it. So for me to sit here and be like, nah, he shouldn't be able to fight, blah, blah, blah. But then there's people in the UFC who like who who's the Darren Elkins takes the most ungodly beatings out of it's his nickname, he, the damage. He, but he's not dealing it. He's taking it. Yeah. And no one's saying he needs he needs to get out of here. Like, bro, like, come on, like draw either draw the line in the sand for all right, these people need to stop or just let it happen. And I'm just going to say, if there's any person I'd rather let it happen with, it'd be Anderson Silva. I think he okay, can take I, care of himself. But he's That's a going, valid point. He's going into a realm which of combat sports, which isn't, it isn't specifically his forte. And he's fighting a former world champion in Hule Cesar Chavez Jr., 10 years as junior as well. That's where my concern is. Like, as I said beforehand. And with I think, boxing gloves. Yeah, I, I, I preface it. I was like, who am I to say that he, shouldn't, he should no longer be allowed to compete? If that's what he wants to do, do you or whatever uh, do i have concerns yes but him going into the boxing world and doing this like at, at his age when he slowed down considerably if this was anderson of five years ago or, or, or yeah even five years ago i would have been more for it i would have been like okay go go and do your thing chavez is not well who they says and Chavez's dad was a famous like arguably the most famous mexican fighter of all time and he's tried to live up to his dad's uh reputation but he's, not, he's just not not as good as his dad just not as good yeah. as still still a former world champion and still got hands and I, i'm just con just concerned but about you also you also want Anderson Silva let's say Karras is right that he is a healthy of sound man because He's that, you know, talented of a fighter. He hasn't taken that much damage. But don't you want to prevent the damage, though? Like, let's say he is healthy. This boxing match, whether it's successful or not, it could lead him to maybe box again. And, and then he could sustain damage that he can't walk back from while fighting at an older age and continuing his boxing career. You do want the fighters like Anderson Silva to know their kids' grand names and to be normal, functioning people. So even if he is healthy, like Carlos is saying... I still kind of want to keep him safe for his quality of life later. And, you know, but like I said, he's 45, he's got kids, maybe he needs the money, you never know. Or maybe it's what Mike said, he's got that fire. You can't do nothing with that. So I will watch and wish him the best, but 
we shall see. To be honest, he's a competitor, and like as a competitor, when something mm-hmm. is taken away from you, it it can it can mess up your life. I'd rather I'm like that person who's like I'd rather see an animal lose its life in the wild than it sit in the zoo for an extended period of time and just die wasting away. Like, yep, it's gonna be what it's gonna be at this point. Like these are adults; they're making their own decisions. Like don't. Don't try and take away that man's only probably drive to survive. Like, we don't know what's fueling him. We don't know why he does what he does or like some people's identity is completely tied to something. And if they don't have the, the ability to find something else to fuel them, it'll destroy them. And I don't want to, I'd rather see Anderson Silva go out with what fuels him than him just self-destruct like that. Why do you think BJ Penn's acting the way that he's acting? Yeah, sure. He has serious brain. There's injuries, no fight camps to get him off the drugs. They yeah. have took him away from what was, that mm-hmm. was his, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to see Anderson Silva getting into bar fights, calling people the N word, dragging like, no, nah, I'm not trying to. <laughs> BJ wasn't yeah. calling anyone the N word. He was like, we're all niggas. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Ben is one of my favorite fighters of all time. Like, I mean, same. To to this day, I still watch. Do you remember the um the countdown that they did for the the uh, GSP fight, the rematch that they had the HBO when he took it serious. Yeah. Oh, remember the first time that he kept going grocery shopping and was swimming, and then they'd show GSP, and he was like training like Rocky Four. To to this day, like that countdown still gives me tingles, and just I remember the the uh the build up to like in like uh the, the preamble on, on the fight itself mike goldberg was saying the prodigy's never been knocked down and like just that still resonates to me this day i kind of get goosebumps thinking thinking of it but bj uh, like when do you do you know what? i almost gave him a pass because i was like i know he's fucked up in the head like if and it pains me to say that like obviously he's got um, dependency issues with uh, with substances and CTE is well and truly prevalent. So I, I almost gave him a pass, or I, and I do to a certain extent. But it's like it 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 cuts deep when somebody somebody who you admire drops a, a racial epithet like that so easily. Like regardless of like even if it's not your own race or whatever, when you see somebody do something like that, it cuts deep. But I mean, I just hope that he gets the help that he needs. I, I completely get the point. What Kyrus was saying is, uh, he's he's had his his main love taken away from him, and he's obviously subsequently. I don't want to say melting down because that's a bit too harsh, but he's he's struggling. But yeah, some more. Yeah. Darren Till's had a collarbone injury. Apparently, no oh, wow. COVID. So this is not COVID. Kevin Holland has offered to step up. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. It just developed in 58 seconds. Kevin Holland has accepted the offer to fight Marvin Vittori. Why? He has no takedown defense. Okay. <laughs> we know how <laughs> this better, is, and then he's going he's gonna to talk shit and get steamrolled. But we'll I like him for stepping up on short notice, though. Yeah, him stepping up. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for, for, for... Yeah, that's, that's a good fight, to be honest. Well... We've only uh, another week to wait until that because, of course, there's no UFC this week. We do have Bellator MMA 255. Pitbull versus Sanchez 2 is the main card event and making its debut on Showtime. Showtime. Back on the BBC iPlayer if you are in the UK. But I just wanted to end the show by asking you whether uh, there are any notable runners and riders that you were particularly looking forward to. If you do indeed know what's on on the card. For me, I'm looking for, oh, I'm looking forward to Usman Magomedov um, versus Mike Hamill. Um, for me, it's just that this guy coming in 11-0 with the name Namagamadov. <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> I want to see you. him I want to see him do work. And plus, he is coming on, on board with that fearsome reputation. And name. How about you, G? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Showtime. Don't laugh, but I want to see how they produce it. It's the first show. I love showtime and i love that bellator is going to be like kind of normal with the timing and the viewing of it but i'm looking forward to alejandra lara versus uh, kanya wantanabe i don't know kanya but i'm familiar with alejandra she had a badass fight and i'm just intrigued by her and she's a colombian fighter and she's pretty cool 
So I look forward to that. And I always look forward to pit bull fighting. So I'm locked and loaded. How about you, Kairos? I'm ready to see Magomed, Magomedov be off for the sacrificial lamb and CJ. They knew what they were doing with that. I know what Bellator do. They know what they're doing. Uh, yeah. They, they, uh, yeah. I don't want to say RIP, but. Oh my God, not RIP. <laughs> it's beyond that. We're beyond that. Say that, but it's going to be an uphill task. <laughs> To get, I'm, I'm just, be, I'm trying to say it's the most politically correct way to, uh, to say it. But what do you, you know? Look also, you know, what I'm looking forward to, and weirdly, what I'm looking forward to, the curtain jerker. Do you know who's opening the card? I do. It is fighter to be on Sports Illustrated. MMA fighter to be on Sports Illustrated. What's Roger that? Huerta. Roger Huerta oh. is opening the card. I love him. I oh my god! Hear you. Human, who's uh, opening the card. Yeah. Uh, I love Roger Huerta. He's fighting, he's fighting on the prelims. Any, anyway, I'm trying to think how old is Roger. Roger must be. He's, he's 24 and 12, and he's fighting someone named Chris Gonzalez. That's five. five and oh. oh, come on! We know what's going on there. Yeah, do better. They're yeah, they're they're feeding. To be honest, do you do you remember? I don't mind. I love Roger. A lot. Okay. That, all right. I thought Roger hadn't fought since he got soccer kicked in, in one championship. Oh, that was so bad. But that, that was, believe it or not, that was 2012. That's how long ago that was. And he's fought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight times since then. He's lost five. And he also, but he won his fight at the bar when um, this guy like punched the woman. He beat the shit out of him. So <laughs> team Roger Huerta. Oh, Unlike BJ, he loses in his bar fights. Roger wins. I love Roger. Yeah. I dare you speak ill of the BJ fan. Well, when BJ is not fighting contractually, I tend not to root for him. <laughs> He's a menace. As BJ said, we're all niggas. We're all <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that wraps up another shots fired. Guns back in the holster. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. <laughs>